Hey, it's Melinda and Gina from Blonde Moments Podcast, and today's episode is brought to you by Podcorn. If you're a startup podcast like we are, sometimes it's hard to navigate how to make money doing what you love. If this is you, Podcorn is your solution. Podcorn is a marketplace that connects podcasters to amazing podcast sponsorship opportunities. The thing that sets Podcorn apart, there is no middleman. So if you have 10 listeners or 10 million, you can set your own rate and collaborate with brands directly without giving up any rights to your podcast. Y'all, we have seriously found that this has been beyond easy to use. You're able to scroll through all of the brands looking to advertise and you get to pick what's right for you and your listeners. Because y'all know we aren't over here trying to sell you shake weights at Blonde Moments Podcast. (laughs) Plus, they have a workplace set up to design the ad right there on their website. Podcorn supports you throughout the process and ensures you're protected and compensated for the work that you do for brands. The Marketplace mission is to give podcasters transparency, creative freedom, and full control of how and when we monetize. We have found we're able to stay in the driver's seat with advertising per episode so we don't have to flood our podcast with unwanted ads. We want to say a huge thanks to Podcorn for sponsoring these wild girls to keep our podcast flirty and thriving. Explore sponsorship opportunities and start monetizing your podcast today by signing up here at www.podcorn.com forward slash podcasters or click the link in our show notes. Thanks, Podcorn. Now let's get the show started. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Blonde Moments Podcast. I'm your host, Gina Vogie. And I'm Melinda Collins. And we're here to entertain you. And it officially feels like fall. So I am sipping on some hot water and lemon. It's bittersweet. It's just we're into September. So even though summer hasn't officially ended, it still feels like fall. It does. It's 55 degrees today. That's crazy. I am wearing my winter socks. Do you? Do you got them busted out? Oh, yeah. Oh. I don't like them. My feet get cold. Stanky. No, they're clean. No, are you going to get them nice and stinky? Yeah, and then I'm going to keep them for myself and (laughs) sniff them. (laughs) Yeah. uh, No, I'm not feeling this yet. I'm not ready for it. I'm surprised you don't have your Christmas decorations out already. As soon as the last trick-or-treater leaves, my love, (laughs) there will be Christmas decorations. Wow, I wonder if they'll be trick-or-treating this year. Well, you wear masks. This is true. So I'm sure it'll happen. Yeah. I'm going to make it happen. Oh, you know Halloween is my (laughs) favorite holiday. Mm -hmm. So Mm. soon as October 1st hits, every single one of my Halloween. You know what? Fuck it. I'm going to put it up the last week of September. All my Halloween decorations. Put them up now. Maybe I will. Maybe I'll go home and put them up right now. (laughs) Do it. (laughs) Maybe I I will. (laughs) Well, I have a fun little tidbit story to share remember how i discussed um the mothman erotica yes (laughs) yes which i still haven't started reading it but now but do you actually have it in your possession i do oh boy now i have another book to order (laughs) that i really have to get you know reading uh this was sent in by a listener mike he said after hearing you talk about mothman erotica i remember there's a whole bigfoot porn erotica book (laughs) culture out there I thought you were going to say it's Nessie porn. Mm-mm. Loch Ness so, Monster. This one it, he sent is called Seduced by Bigfoot <laughs> and Ravaged by the Yeti. Oh, I want to be ravaged by the Yeti. Yeah. Oh. The Secret Adventures of a Fertile Housewife. <laughs> <laughs> fertile Housewife. 
god. Monster romance, monster erotica. And it also says MMF humiliation. I don't know what that means. My monkey fucker? Monster, I mean, I have no idea. Maybe something with fertile because it said fiction. It's got to be housewife. MMF. What? It, what was it? MMF. So something's monster. Mm. Something fiction. You know, I had no idea that there was a whole world out there of fucking monster erotica. I think it's weird that people fantasize about <laughs> screwing a hairy man that lives in the woods. Uh, the Mothman? Well, yeah. Uh, no, or the Yeti. Yeti. The, the, not the Yeti. The or Bigfoot. Bigfoot. Yeah. Like what? I mean, I, again, Harry and the Hendersons. He was super cute to me, but Ugh. I never was like, oh, yeah. I wonder what he'd be like. Did you bed. watch the show and then go rub one out? No, I'm saying I didn't. <laughs> he was cute. He was like, oh, like he was such a sweetheart. Like you'd think of like your dog. Well, well we covered that yeah. two episodes I mean, ago too. Clearly, we've learned that there's all kinds of fetishes out there. There's a whole Yeti, Mothman, monster romance, monster erotica. But I love the description for this. (laughs) (laughs) Five furry stars for this super smutty story of two dirty old monsters having their way with a bored little housewife. (laughs) Oh, there's... Oh, so it's... I, for some reason, I was thinking it was two different books. So it's the Yeti and the Bigfoot yeah. is going in on one Fertile Housewife. Yes. Wow. Mm-hmm. I might. I might. You know, <laughs> you're gonna do Mothman. Maybe I'll read this one, and we can compare notes. Well, we can start then we can a, trade. We can start an MMF book club collection. Yes. I'm gonna find Betty, out what that means. Betty Bradford was a typical small town housewife in rural Vermont until one day. A beast from deep within the forest smelled how fertile and desperate she was. <laughs> I didn't know like when you're fertile and desperate, you give off a scent. Yeah, well, apparently you do. When you're when you're desperate <laughs> to fuck anything, you just you have these pheromones that attract these these yeah. unicorns. So be careful out these, there, women. Yeah. If you're fertile, be, be you might be careful what you're secreting. <laughs> So MMF, we were way off. It means male, male, female, meaning the guys do each other as well as the women in the book. Well, that makes sense because it's the two, it's the two Yeti Bigfoot, yeah, tag team and Betty, fertile Betty. Yes, (laughs) eager to leave her dull life and more than eager and willing to serve, she accepted being owned by Bigfoot and regarded as his human slave until one day a Yeti appears and steals her away. Uh What will the Yeti do to Betty? Will Bigfoot seek revenge? Will Betty become pregnant with a beast child? This is volume one. Oh, Oh, wow. Of a very dirty, erotic, thrilling, and explicit series exploring Betty's new life being owned by beasts. I mean, I couldn't even get through the first book of Fifty Shades of Grey, and these are humans doing it. How am I going (laughs) to read these like fake creatures. Well, the paperback is only six ninety nine, so we'll find out. Well, yeah, I I feel like if you read Mothman, I'll I'll give this one a try, even okay. though I think I'm gonna be grossed out the whole time thinking of like a know. dog's red rocket. I don't think the Yeti has a red rocket. I think it has like just a hairy dick. I don't know. To me, they're so like dog like with their fur. I'd bet it's. A I think he's rocket. just got a big like old hairy this, dick and balls. Has this sheath that comes out of. Ew! <laughs> <laughs> oh 
<laughs> she's making a motion with her hand, like yeah, coming out of a sheath. hole, a sheath. <laughs> See, I called a sheath. I don't know. Sheath. Oh. Here we go. Sheath suckling. Oh, just getting <laughs> so excited here. Mike also did send another tidbit too about the weirdest place he's ever come. My ex-girlfriend had me come in her armpit and then mushed it into her skin and went to work like that. (laughs) Coming on an armpit is not easy, but it was pretty kinky. Same girl once had me come on her bagel. Oh, (laughs) no. She jerked me off and it can't. She jerked me off and it, and I came on her bagel and she ate it. <laughs> I knew that's where that was going. Man, I am so boring. Yeah, I mean, a cum bagel. I mean, if you think about it, it might be kind of like cream cheese. Would you like cream cheese on your bagel or some semen? Or maybe she put cream cheese on the bagel and then put the cum on top like as an extra topping, you know? No. I mean, it might be tasty. I don't think so. I'd try it once. My husband likes his bagels as well, so I would try it once. Why? I would jerk him off for on a what? bagel for and eat it. For what reason? Maybe, do you it's, need... t- maybe it's tasty. You know what? I take that back. There is one time I would probably try it. What was that Urban Dictionary one? The Skittles, Taste the Rainbow, that one? Yeah. Okay, but just like normal semen, I don't need it on a bagel. I mean, don't knock it till you try it. Well, we already know you're a little weird with <laughs> what you're doing with semen. Ice cube trays. I mean, and <laughs> So thanks for those stories, Mike. I love it. Now we have a new erotic novel to read. And we may try Come on a Bagel. You know what I was thinking, too? You talked about the Mothman. I was like, <laughs> God, what does that remind me of? It reminds me of Jeepers Creepers. I cannot remember that movie. It's been so long. Okay. So that movie I loved. I thought it was so good. But I realized when I watched it again, I must have stopped the movie halfway through because the whole second half, you lost me. It's stupid. But basically, it's, I think his name's Justin Long. Do you remember who he is? No. He dated Drew Barrymore for a little while. Oh, I have no idea. Uh, He was in He's Just Not That Into You. I don't think I ever saw that either. He was in The Breakup. With Jennifer Aniston. Okay. He played the guy who worked at the art dealer where Jennifer Aniston worked. Okay. Okay, so you got a face. Him and his sister are driving down this road and this old beat up pickup truck. I don't remember the whole thing, but basically is either trying to get – they're trying to get around him or vice versa. Long story short, they get into like a – you know, road rage sort of incidents. Well, then they end up going to this guy's house and they find like there's this well and there's like all this weird shit, like dead bodies in the well and stuff like that. Well, I must. So is he a creature? Well, you don't know that in the whole first half. I'm like, this is really good because I like when it's like a real creep person, not when it's this mythical whatever. Right. Well, I watched the movie again and I don't know, maybe I fell asleep or what. But the next time, he's this like bird man, the farmer guy. is like this huge, huge winged bird. There's probably an erotic novel about it. I think that's what it might be. I, f- I honestly <laughs> feel like it's based off of this Mothman thing. <laughs> that whole first half of that movie was so good. And then I was just like. Oh, you know what? I think I do recall seeing this. Didn't a song come on the radio or something? The Jeepers, Jeepers okay. Creepers, where'd you get those papers? Jeepers, <laughs> Creepers, where'd you get those eyes? <laughs> if that song is not creepy, hearing that like on vinyl, 
<sighs> Doesn't sound like I'm missing out not remembering watching the movie. No, I don't know what how I thought it ended, but wah 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 wah. Well, girlfriend, I have a genitalia story for you. As long as it's not a dolphin, it's not or an animal. Yeti. It's okay. about a human. Okay, perfect. This was from 2018. There is this artist. His name is Mao Sugiyama. And he had five people pay him $250 a plate for his genitals. Wait, please don't tell me he cut his genitals off. Yes. Oh, my God. He says, please retweet. I am offering my male genitals, full penis, testes, scrotum, as a meal for 100,000 yen. I will prepare and cook as the buyer requests at his chosen location. Uh, He's a Tokyo illustrator. He sent that out in 2012 after he received elective genital removal surgery, gender nullification. So... Um, Okay, well, at least it wasn't him cutting his own dick off. Because remember, we covered that. And I still have not recovered from that. (laughs) I still have nightmares about that. And I couldn't even watch the full video. I didn't watch the video. So So I'm not scarred. Yeah, he's having this surgically removed properly. Because he wants to be trans. He wants to be a woman, right? Well, I think I don't actually think he was switching genders. I think he wants to be asexual. Okay, but let's let's find out. Let's find out. So I'll read a little bit more into this. I read this a while ago, so I could be wrong. He had the surgery on his 22nd birthday, then had his genitals frozen and double bagged. Two months later, he held a banquet complete with musical entertainment, a panel, and lastly, the main course, which was served with a button mushroom garnish. Oh. He considered eating the genitals himself, but decided to make what he called an artistic statement instead. A self-described asexual, he believed he didn't need his genitals to accomplish his work. Okay. I mean, I wouldn't personally remove my genitals, but to each its own. I can see where he's going with it. But I like my vagina too much. So this is the thing I didn't understand about this too. Before he had the operation, he went on a one-month sex binge. To make sure he wouldn't regret it, uh, he was tested after found free of any, you know, STDs. He had the guest sign a waiver stating he wasn't responsible if they got sick off of his quote unquote meal. So did he make a bunch of money off this? $250 a person. And how many people? 70 people. I mean, that's not that much. I'm not that good at math, but that's not that much money. 70 well not for your genitals no i mean your genitals are priceless no. right <laughs> I mean, honestly let me get out my calculator so, 17, 17 5 times 250 17,500 yeah. yeah y'all y'all i would need a lot more than that for oh s- you know what i lied cut off my genitals set it's not even that much because so this is what happened he wore a chef's outfit seasoned and braised the genitals himself on a portable gas cartridge burner Five people oh, oh, paid okay. two fifty a plate for the special meal while other attendees ate beef and crocodile meat. So he made $1,200 off of this. Yes. All of the people who ate his genitalia were between the ages of 22 and 32. There was a panel discussion, a piano recital. There's actual photos of the meal. Oh, no. You can see the sliced penis, a sliced testicle. And scrotal skin with three millimeters of pubic hair for garnish, parsley, and button mushrooms. Oh, my God. It said, unfortunately for the diners, the meal was underwhelming, with some describing the penis as having a rubbery texture and bland taste. Well, yeah, you're (laughs) eating a penis. What the hell? What do you think it's going to taste like? Ugh. 
one person, some culinary director wrote, the chef didn't cook it right. What a waste of a perfectly good penis. Penis is pretty tough and needs to be slow cooked either in a sous vide or in a braise. I feel like throwing up now. This story is disturbing me. Yeah, well, you haven't even seen the pictures yet. Oh, God. Do you want to see the pictures? I don't know. (gasps) You know what's even more crazy? Cannibalism is not illegal in Japan. (sighs) How? All right, let me see it. (laughs) I'll just show you this one because you can see the little hairs. Oh, this is (laughs) fucking disgusting. That's Mm -hmm. it. I don't need to see any more. Yeah. Well, there's like five pictures. People are crazy. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go throw up now. I'll be right back. (laughs) And then we have to play. (laughs) Five minutes later. Yeah. Our little puke break. So I'm back now. I threw up. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I get a lot of emails from Reddit. I don't know if you do. I don't know why. Somehow I must have signed up. Oh, yeah. For... If in order to like uh, read some stuff, I think that's, you know, over 18, you have to give them an email. Email. Okay. So, yeah, I actually just said unsubscribe from the emails because they like flood you. They do flood you. But you might want to change your mind because if you scroll down, you see some interesting topics. <laughs> no, you can do that for me. Okay. You can bring those to my attention. So... This one said, how do you feel about a friend with benefits, but instead of sexual benefits, it's just cuddling? Yeah. I can, you know what? I can see that. Well, if you read some of these threads, some of it works out, some of it doesn't. But this led me down a whole rabbit hole. So, But I would be scared to just, like, you meet somebody, you're like, okay, I'm here for the cuddle date, and then not think they're going to, like, <laughs> rape me or kill me. <laughs> So I looked at this Reddit thread, you know, and some of them are like, yeah, it worked. Some said, no, it didn't. Some turned into sex, obviously. Well, because you know every man's like, she says it's just going to be cuddly, right, yeah. but wait till she feels my hard cock wait and smells she... my dracon. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll just ask to put just the head in. Just the tip. Just That's the all, tip. I swear. That's going to be all that we'll do. One time. Just a little. <laughs> Which you're, we all know never works. You're still be considered a virgin. It doesn't count. Yeah. We all, all fucking know that just the tip doesn't ever work. And no, I won't wear a condom. I'm allergic. It doesn't feel the same. <laughs> <laughs> so under this thread, someone put, there used to be parties in New York and other cities where people would go to cuddle complete strangers with consent in their pajamas. Moderators were always there to make sure nobody okay. tried having sex. <laughs> I don't know if this is still a thing. No. No. <laughs> Stop. Put your dick away, Tony. So then another person said they were doing these cuddle things back home. You called up this number and they sent you out a cuddler paid by the hour to come to your house and cuddle. That's it. Just cuddle however you want. It was actually really wholesome. I'm not sure whatever happened with it, but could you imagine being paid to be a professional cuddler? Then, of course, what's the next thing I Google? A professional cuddler. (laughs) Going rate. That's what you're Googling. Yeah, because I'm like, what? Is this a thing? It's a thing. This is a thing. Professional cuddling. And apparently it ranges from like $40,000 to $50,000 a year just to be a professional cuddler. Mm -hmm. I... (laughs) I couldn't do it. 
I mean, I couldn't personally do it either, but if I was dead ass broke. Yeah, I mean, I, I, there's definitely ways that it, it could happen, but I would be too scared. Well, yeah, I would think that you would have to have like a bodyguard or something come with you because there's too many fucking weird people out there. And what if the there. person stinks? Well, yeah. Or so, what if they're just like... <laughs> what if they don't shower? I mean, honestly, I just keep thinking of like all the Hooters regulars that I used to have to deal with. And like <laughs> one guy in particular keeps popping in my head. And I'm like, if he... I... I I don't think I could do it. I mean, I don't personally think I could do it either, but, you know, different strokes for different folks. I give anybody who is a professional cuddler a lot of props. You are braver than I. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a, a use for people to do well, this. I think it could be very beneficial. That's where I'm going next with this. I found this article, 11 weird facts about working as a professional cuddler. So put, to put simply, there are people who get paid to platonically st- snuggle with clients. We've all snuggled with something or someone. Mr. Pillow for me. <laughs> Imaginary <laughs> Ralph re- <laughs> for me. <laughs> We've all reaped the benefits of a warm hug at one time or another, right? So why is it odd to consider a real profession? Mm-hmm. We pay for tons of other services that we otherwise provide ourselves. Eating out versus cooking at home, a paid massage versus forcing a friend to rub our back, getting a manicure versus biting our nails incessantly. So when it comes to professional cuddling, why do the warm, fuzzy feelings seem a little less fuzzy? And it says it's about $80 an hour. So there's a cuddle Bible. Most cuddle companies require employees to read up on the Cuddle Sutra, the book of all things snuggles. Oh, I think of like (laughs) Care Bears. (laughs) Cuddle Sutra takes an extensive look at platonic cuddling and its variations, outlining over 50 different positions. From new wave hugging to reverse spooning, this nuzzle novel is bringing a whole new meaning to this. What? (laughs) Nuzzle novel. Oh, my God. We're learning a lot about literature. Yeah. Lately. There is a cuddling convention. After the relatively warm reaction to cuddling since its start in 2012, the first cuddling convention called... Cuddle Con (laughs) was held on Valentine's Day in 2015. The convention was intended to provide a space for cuddlers, clients, therapists, and psychologists to come together and speak about the world of warm snuggles. You know, once COVID hit and we really weren't seeing anybody for so long, the first time you felt a hug from somebody else, I could have cried. Yeah, and it almost felt wrong mm-hmm. because they made you seem like touching anyone mm-hmm. was the worst thing to do. It w- yeah, I totally agree. Cuddling yeah. is considered a form of therapy. So here's where I could see where that comes into play. Touch is a proven form of therapy. When we cuddle, oxytocin is released in our bodies. This chemical works to help increase positivity and enhance our immune systems so i can see that as well too then it says cuddle sessions cost up to 80 dollars an hour overnight sessions are optional these range anywhere from 325 to 400 dollars a night and they have a strict safety policy i don't know exactly what the safety policy is i won't bore you with the rest of this article but apparently hmm. that's a thing Oh, and 99% of professional cuddlers, 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 you just can't say that word, I can't huh? say it, whatever, uh, cuddlers are women, which of course, we're better cuddlers. Oh, yeah. And clients are mostly middle-aged men, hooters, regulars. <laughs> 
So there you have it. Yeah. Times are tough and you have that much of a good soul that you just want to spread therapy and mm-hmm. love and cuddling. It's I out mean, there. Yeah, you could help a lot of people. $80 an hour, y'all. Yeah. I've done for a lot more for a lot less. <laughs> <laughs> So I thought that was interesting. A job that I never knew existed. Professional cuddler. We could probably have a whole episode on jobs you never knew existed. I, you know what? That could be a good topic. It could be a great topic. One of our listeners, Laura, sent this in. She said, I saw this and literally laughed my fucking ass off, wondering if this shit is actually real. Thought you ladies would enjoy it. All right. John and Darla Crocker, who dutifully abstained from sex during their 14-month courtship, have remained abstinent after marriage and plan to do so indefinitely. What? Why? If it was holy before, it must be double holy afterwards, Darla says. <laughs> I just don't understand. Oh, wait. This is so freaking funny. They have now completed 25... Completed? Like, it's like... <laughs> Like a challenge. They have now completed 25 months of marriage without any sexual contact, going about their normal lives, jobs, and social calendar with no hint of relational strain. I'd call bullshit on this. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes after dinner, they will kiss in the kitchen and start having bedroom thoughts. (gasps) No, not bedroom thoughts. But they never fail to pull back. Darla breaks away to spray cool misted water on her face. What do you think John does? <laughs> Probably sprays cold water on his dick. He will eat a whole raw potato. <laughs> oh my god. How the hell is a whole raw potato supposed to help your dick not get hard? Because you're like, you know, when you're cutting up potatoes for mashed potatoes. How, like, the consistency and everything. Yeah, it's disgusting. Yeah, it would turn me off, too. <laughs> like, I'm so sorry. It's so freaking funny to me. A, a whole raw potato is what dude's going for. <laughs> this sounds like a miserable existence. But, like, the whole reason you're supposed to wait in for marriage, you know, is it's supposed to be just the two of you and you're virginal and then you have sex to procreate. So I, I think they've kind of missed the the, the yeah. reason here. I mean, if you don't want to have kids, that's fine, you know, whatever. But I, I just – I can't get on board with this one. Why get married to not have sex? Right. And then eat a bunch of – potatoes i just spray that cool mist in my face and i am so turned off i would never want to eat another fucking potato oh, I'd God, be i gotta eat <laughs> you have to eat a whole goddamn potato <laughs> he's probably taking that potato in the bathroom and having his way with well, that yes. potato well what i was trying to find is there are people who have written probably fucking that potato because <laughs> she won't give him any so ridiculous. That sounds miserable. Yes. Just living in misery for no god darn reason. So she wrote, 
here – well, I wrote, he eats a potato. What the hell is wrong with people? And then she said, here are the comments too for reference. And anytime, your ladies' podcast has changed my perspective on things and I see crazy-ass stories like these and laugh my fucking ass off. So these are some of the comments people have written on this story. One person wrote, thank you for removing yourselves from the gene pool. <laughs> wife begins to wonder why there's a hole in house potatoes that's what i said that's where my head went he he was doing more than just eating a whole potato wife wonders why her husband's sock can stand up by itself yeah i mean because he 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 can't even control his wet dreams at this point i just show what these people look like Mm -hmm. your normal average honkies Oh, my gosh. But, I mean, of all the things, you know, what do they say? Oh, you have to think of your grandmother, you know, to. Yeah, I'm going to eat a potato. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. I call bullshit. They were just trying to get in the news for this one. She is sucking his dick every night in the kitchen after they kiss. Mm Mm-mm. Maybe. They're just trying to get in the news. It sounds like she's the one who's probably the one who doesn't want to do it so she's like oh honey what what the hell was his name john imagine how much more god is going to love us if we keep our genitals to ourselves." yeah mm -mm. and he's like bring out the potato Mm -mm. i i think that she's lying thanks for sending that one in laura that was really funny I don't know why I keep getting all these notifications for Florida. I must have signed up for like a Florida man, Florida woman story. (laughs) All right. In Florida, a naked lady swipes an intimate item in naughty adventure in Fort Pierce. Oh, naughty adventure. An alleged naked woman was accused of swiping a sex toy and using it in a store. She was horny. It sounds like me when I bought that rabbit vibrator. I couldn't wait to get out to the parking lot. Yeah, she was like, fuck it. I'm just going to have it in the store. Did it say that she purchased it or did she put it back in the box? And It said the dispatch informed that there was a female in the store wearing a purple shirt and had on no pants. <laughs> on arrival, employee came outside and stated that the female had been masturbating in the store. She removed a sex toy from the packaging and was now fully nude. As they walked in the store, they informed my employee that she had gone into the employee area stockroom with the sex toy. <laughs> well, at least she went out of the main area into the stockroom. Right. She was being thoughtful. As they opened the doors and entered the stockroom, they found the female who identified herself as, oh, they blurred out the name. Sorry. I wonder why. So we don't Google her or Facebook her to see what she looks like? <laughs> Sitting in an office chair with her feet up on the table, she had in her <laughs> she had in her hands a pink colored <laughs> penis shaped sex toy that she was using in a masturbatory manner. After they entered the room, she stopped making use of the toy and dropped it on the ground, <laughs> like a deer in headlights. <laughs> Caught me. <laughs> While in the store, there. <laughs> They were informed that she also opened and tried on a piece of clothing. The total value of the two stolen items was $45.98. Oh, my God. They considered it stolen? Well, yeah. You can't put it back on the shelf after she she was still in the store. (laughs) Oh, my God. Well, we haven't even said today's episode is our true crime. 
Because I always forget we get on all these tangents yeah. about Mothman, now Bigfoot and Yeti, fertile erotica. <laughs> Men serving penis penises. As a banquet. I, yeah. Well, I have a true crime story that is insane to me. In West Siloam Springs, Oklahoma, a headless corpse in the middle of the road shocked the people who accidentally struck it with their cars. Oh my gosh. One Thursday morning, the highway was dark and people said that they could see this thing. They thought it was a deer and they tried to swerve. And uh, the police of the victim, whoever he is, was hit several times on the highway and the victim was too mangled to make an identification. They don't know how he had come to be on the road. They are investigating as a homicide. I can't imagine you're like do 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 driving in the early morning hours or torso. Oh my god! Yeah, that is disturbing. You're just like driving to work and oh my god! Yeah, it would ruin your whole month, if not longer. I don't know if I'd be able to recover from that. Yeah. Mm. On the tales of that crazy story, I have my true crime story for you. November 6, 1995, in British settlement New Brunswick, police show up to a home after a woman had been called in as not showing up for work, and the main detective on the case was Gary Bellevue. They pull up to this trailer home, and they see this man is pacing back and forth outside of this trailer, and he was trying to take control of the scene. This guy, his name was Larry. He was the ex-husband of the woman who had been called in saying that she had missed work. And he wanted to get inside of the trailer and the cops were trying to take control of the scene themselves. And Larry got super aggressive with the cops and he even punched one of them in the face. Larry then drew suspicion of the cops. They're like, okay, well, why is he here? And why is he being so aggressive with us? So they arrest Larry and they bring him down to the station. So while he's there at the station, now Jerry and the rest of the police can kind of take in the whole scene. Jerry goes into this trailer home, and on the counter, he sees that there is lunch money that's sitting there. There's a coffee pot that's ready to be turned on. Like, the water's in it. The coffee's in it. They just have to hit, you know, start. start. Yeah. To the left in the kitchen, they see a young boy, and this was Larry Jr. He was laying dead on the floor on his stomach. He was tied up, and it appeared that he had been strangled. The detective walks into the boy's room. Everything appears to be in place. Everything was, like, super clean and tidy. So he's thinking, okay, well, why was, you know, why did the boy leave the room? What was going on? Was there a fight? He moves down to the hallway. He goes into the the mother's room. Her name's Mary Lou. And he sees what looks like it must have been a struggle in this bedroom. Mary Lou Barnes was laying face down on the bed, strangled with nylons, and she too was dead. Ugh. The knot in the nylons was so tight, detectives knew there had to be some kind of DNA on them from like the skin cells, skin DNA, blood residue. I remember this is 1995, so they're not like super, they can do DNA testing, but, but it's, it's like not, brand new still. Yeah, it's not like what it is today. Yeah. They also thought maybe there would be some blood residue from either the victim or the perpetrator. In the bedroom, it didn't look like any jewelry had been taken so there's no motive of like Mm -hmm. robbery or anything like that the detectives decide they're going to keep the nylons out of the press to use that as information later down the road and mary lou had a half sister her name was debbie lee she was the one who had received the call from mary lou's work about her not coming in and they interviewed her and she said she had talked to mary lou at nine o'clock the night before and she had said that larry mary lou's ex was coming by to drop off larry jr 
They were co-parenting, trying to be good parents. When they were together, they had had a whole slew of miscarriages and that didn't help the relationship. But the final straw and why they broke up was because Larry had cheated on her with this woman named Kathy Cole. Kathy Cole was this woman who ran this house for people who had special needs. Debbie said that Larry was never mean to Mary Lou. He never hit her. So... They're like, okay, but he's still our number one suspect, especially because he was there. And he was being aggressive for no apparent reason. So down at the station, Larry was interviewed and the detective said he was so broken up and he just couldn't believe that this had happened. He told detectives that Larry Jr. was a miracle because how many children that they had previously lost. He said that he had dropped off Larry Jr. and left after he saw him go inside. He said he didn't go inside or talk to Mary Lou himself because they had been arguing a lot lately. The detectives released him, but they were like, suspect number one, right? He's still on the radar. About like a week or two later, the detectives were called by Larry. He wanted to know if they had found out what exactly had happened to his son. The detective said that he came across super arrogant and he only wanted things that would suit his own needs. So they started surveilling him. Within that next week, Larry went and talked to a local news team. They interviewed him about the case and there's actual footage of him. He's pleading with the public that if anyone knew anything, that if they could help him, he was bawling, I mean crying. And he said that by his son being murdered that they had whoever did this had taken his life away larry's own life cops were like "Mm, we're not buying this they continue gathering information on larry and they just didn't believe that he was innocent detectives were obviously reviewing all of this information that they had on larry but they were like okay we can't get tunnel vision on this one guy we have to figure out what else could have happened here no semen was found on the body of mary lou but there was some on her sheets Someone else's skin cells were found on the nylons, as well as Mary Lou's own skin cells. But the problem was, in 1995, they couldn't distinguish the two DNAs from each other. Like, they couldn't isolate the male DNA from the female female. DNA. It basically was failed evidence for them at the time. The detectives started interviewing people in the neighborhood. A neighbor named a man named Martin Laurie. He said that he had seen Martin at Mary Lou's house the day of the murder. He had a criminal past. He had also previously stayed at the home for those with special needs with Kathy Cole. It was known. Oh, so he had special needs. Well, I don't know if he actually had special needs or he was just staying there because he didn't seem like he had any special needs of his own. I I don't, I don't, I can't. So who knows why he was staying there? Okay. It was known by many that Martin had a thing for Kathy Cole. And they also mentioned a man named Cameron Dahl. He was around usually on the weekends, and people had said that this was Mary Lou's boyfriend. One witness said they saw Cameron drive by the house. He saw the police cars and everything at the scene, and then he sped off. He didn't stop or ask questions, which is weird. If that's your girlfriend's house and you saw that. Wouldn't you want to know what happened, what's Mm -hmm. going on? So they bring him in for questioning, and he said he saw her – That weekend, um, he had gone over to her house, but he hadn't called her on the 5th or the 6th because he was supposed to come over, but he had changed his mind. He said instead of going there, he just stayed home. And the detectives were like, well, we already know that you drove over there. And they didn't believe his story. The detective started challenging him and saying, you didn't mean to hurt her. You didn't mean to do that. You went over there and things just didn't go how you thought they were going to. And he's like, no, 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 no. It's not like that at all. He's like, I'll take a lie detector test. You can take my DNA. I have nothing to do with this. They did bring him in for a polygraph test. He passed that. 
you know, said that he was telling the truth. So they just decided to use that as a baseline. Then they were able to locate Martin Laurie. Yes. They went to question him about Mary Lou Barnes. And he's like, who? When they asked if he had seen Mary Lou, <laughs> I just like, <laughs> I just never understand like who? You know who they're talking yeah. about, right? That immediately makes you look like a suspect. Yes. Especially because detectives said that many people had seen Martin in Mary Lou's backyard. He's like, well, I want, I wander a lot. I like to see what people are up to. I don't hurt people. He's like, I know the area because I used to stay at the special needs home. And the detective said, you mean the one that Kathy Cole runs? He's like, yeah, she was nice to me. She deserves better than that guy she's with. So Kathy was with Larry. Who's the ex-husband of Mary Lou. He said, I don't like him. Nobody likes him. He said, you should ask Larry about why they are dead. Larry can get super violent. Kathy was just his friend. He said he'd, he'd do anything for her. And did he do something to Mary Lou? Because he was, you know, mad that Kathy was seeing Larry. Who knows? Well, Andy was like, who? who? Knowing, of hmm. course, he know who it was. Well, that same night, Martin jumped in front of a truck and committed suicide. <gasps> oh, man. So was he involved? Why did he do it? The next day, a woman shows up at the police office, and her name is Vicki White. She wants to talk about her husband, Ray. She said that he had left with loaded guns. He was supposed to pick up their daughter from school, but he never did. He had taken the truck, her credit card, and a gun, a twenty-two. She said he may have left because he may have done something terrible. She had seen the news and knew about Mary Lou and her son Larry's, Larry Jr.'s death. She knew Mary Lou because she worked with her. Ray had driven them to work a few times, meaning his wife and Mary Lou, and they had been at a bar together before, and she said that she just didn't like the way Ray would stare at Mary Lou. Ray was out at a bar on Sunday night with his friends, is what he told his wife, and so the detective's like, all right, we're going to look closer at Ray. He was into drugs. He had a previous history of doing an armed robbery. He had also served about 20 years in prison on and off. Police track him down. He was walking out of a restaurant and he goes into his car and he sees the police and he goes to reach for a gun in his car. They, the cops had gotten it out already. He had like his windows down. So they oh, like preemptively, so well, they took him down to the station because then they could arrest him for possession of firearms because he was on parole. They felt that they had their guy with him. So Ray insisted that he speak to a female de- detective, which is creepy to me. Yeah. Can they even honor that? I mean, I guess they have no choice, right? Because yeah. if they're willing to talk and that's their terms, I guess they don't have a choice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's weird to me, too. He said he did not kill Mary Lou, but he had met the guy who had done it. He didn't know much about it, but he was there. But the the killer was there to kill Mary Lou, not Larry Jr. He didn't even know Larry Jr. would be there, but he was surprised by him, so he strangled him too. He said he won't say who it was because he was fearful over the safety of his own wife and kids. The detectives are like, okay, but why do you know all this? Like, how did you find all this out? And he said that he was selling the guy cocaine and he tried to sell a gold chain he had from the victims. It was a big gold chain with these huge closed links and it looked super expensive. So detectives went back to question Larry Mills and they asked Larry if he noticed anything missing from Mary Lou's jewelry. So they brought like a whole bag of all of her stuff. When he was going through, he was identifying. He's like, oh, she had this ring from this. She had this necklace from this. And all of a sudden he goes, 
where is it? Where's the big gold chain? He's like, she never took it off. I got it for her from New York. It was super expensive. And they're like, okay, Larry obviously doesn't seem to be the guy. Like this Ray guy knows more. Mm -hmm. Back at the police station, they knew they were onto something with Ray White. That night, a picture of Ray White shows up on TV screens all over the community. And it's of Ray White as he was walking into the courthouse on firearms charges. The police get a call and the call says... That's not Ray White. That's Ray Parker. He tried to sexually assault me a couple of days ago. Oh. A guy named Ray Parker was pretending to want to buy a house, and he sexually assaulted the real estate agent. Oh, that's so scary. So because of that assault, he ended up getting three years. Now they wanted to know if he was involved in that double homicide. So they go and they question Ray while he's in prison, and he said the real culprit was still out there. He's like, you won't get him because he will lock everything inside himself in a compartment and no one will know. So I'm like, okay. So is he like suffering from multiple personality disorder here? Or does he know who the killer is? Is it not him? Uh, the detectives went to Larry's house all the time just to try to work with him, to try to figure out who this killer is. And Larry was like, I really feel like Ray did it. And the police are like, we don't have any evidence. We don't have any DNA on him. And Larry was like, I'm fed up. I'm at a loss. My son is gone. And he said that he was ready to kill himself one night with a shotgun. And while he was about to pull the trigger... His son, Larry Jr., came to him in a vision, and he said, Dad, don't do this. You need to move forward. You can't die because I'm dead. And when I saw that, I actually, like, started tearing up. Oh. Because this whole time, I'm like, well, he might still be the person who did it. You know, I, yeah. I, I don't know. And him seeing that, like, that was hard to see. I felt bad because he's, like, this big, like, tough dude, too. Ray was going away for three years, and they knew they had time to build a case on Ray. But three years later, there was still no evidence found against Ray, and he walked out of prison free. Ugh. But the detectives are like, oh, we're going to keep some tail on you, buddy. So they Well, yeah, because he's a habitual r criminal repeater. Right. And if he's a pervert, he, it, yeah, he's going gonna, to happen again. It's going right? to happen again. So they placed surveillance on him, and they followed him to D.C., and they obviously had eyes and ears on him. And what they did is they had an undercover cop working as a drug dealer. Ray starts working together with this drug dealer, which is so amazing to me that you can, like, this guy is a criminal himself. Like, these undercover cops are brilliant to be able to get this guy, like, to work with you. It's, yeah. So one night, the two of them were sitting around talking about drugs. Oh, you should take a hit of this, whatever. And the undercover cop was like, no, I don't do the drugs myself anymore. I, I, it used to make me do some crazy things. And Ray said, yeah, man, me too. Back east, I did some things I'm not proud of. I got high on coke and I got crazy. A couple of people got what they deserved, but they never got me. They never will. There were no witnesses and they don't even know where I am. So he's basically just admitting to everything to this undercover police officer. That he had done something. So then the undercover cop was like, what happened? And Ray says, you already know everything you need to know. So basically he's like, I'm not saying anymore. He says, you already know everything you need to know because I locked everything inside myself in a compartment and no one will know. See the multiple personalities. They now know and they finally got him. Jerry went to the prosecutor with this information, and they said, well, you're at about 49% probability. I need you to be at 51% probability that he did this. 
See, that's what's frustrating to me because that's when somebody else can be killed or hurt, you mm-hmm. know? Jerry went and told Larry what he said and Larry was like just pissed off about it. He's like, this is bullshit. We know this is this is the guy. And Jerry was like, if we prosecute too early, he could get away with it. And Larry's like, he already did. Yeah. Well, and then there's the other hand of it. We've talked about people who are innocent, who are proven guilty. So you can I can see both sides. You can I can see both sides. I can see where you have to do your due diligence to make sure you are getting the right person. But it's mm-hmm. like, ah, oh, there's situations where you know Especially it's Especially if it's right like person. your gut feeling too. Yeah, but you just don't have enough evidence. But yeah, I can see both sides of it. Well, good news is technology catches up. Perfect. 2009 now, Greg Larson, a detective, checks the file and he decides to resubmit the DNA exhibit. They were able to now separate the male and female DNA, and Jerry gets the call from the lab. We got a hit. It is Ray. You got him. Finally. Jerry went to tell Larry the good news, and he's like, because of technology, we got him. So then October 28th, 2011, they were able to convict Ray White and sentence him to life in prison with no chance of parole for 15 years. Larry demolished the house and planted two trees on that property where his ex-wife and son had passed away. And Ray died in prison in 2013 of natural causes at 66 years. He never explained why he had committed those murders. That's frustrating, too. Other than it seems like he just got high. He just got, like, fucking high out of his mind. and. But he said cocaine. I mean... Well, who knows what else he was on, you know? We've all known people who've done cocaine. I've never seen them kill anyone. Yeah, I see them dance and sweat. Yeah, <laughs> and move their jaw around in a very <laughs> disturbing manner. Like, uh, yeah, like uh, like Ernest. Do you remember those movies? Like Ernest goes to jail. Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> you've never seen someone on a bunch of cocaine. You're like, wow, that's attractive. You know. <laughs> But I've never seen anyone, like, angry on cocaine. I mean, he had to have been on something else. Who knows what else he was taking. You know, I think maybe the other guy, like, the detective was talking about coke. So maybe, who knows? It seems like he must have had a guilty conscience, had to get it off of his chest, and then realize maybe he said too much. Right. Who knows? Well, at least he did, and they got him. And hopefully poor Larry... Was able to have some peace with it after that. Yeah. It, that, it was so sad to me because then after knowing that he was innocent and watching that interview he did with the local news, like he was really pleading. Yeah. He was really sad. So sad. It was just heartbreaking. Yeah. I can't imagine. And then you don't have answers for how long. And then you know pretty much the man who did it is free Ugh, yeah well mm-hmm. thank god that technology caught up to that one and agreed <sighs> all right well, i will move on to my true crime story we don't have any time for yours Here, go home go puke again yeah go puke <laughs> we don't have time for you um so my story is about conrad roy at the time of his death he was 18 years old Conrad did suffer from depression issues, but he was getting professional help at the time that he died. Um, He was on antidepressant medication. He had just graduated high school and he had a college scholarship. You know, it was said he wanted to be a tugboat captain like his grandfather. Like he was just, he was a a good kid. Yeah. 
So on July 12, 2014, Conrad drove to a parking lot and using a gasoline-powered water pump, he sat in his pickup truck, turned it on as it filled with carbon monoxide. He died. So he committed suicide in his truck. And it did say that at the age of 17, he'd overdosed on Tylenol or tried to, but he called one of his best friends and told her, and then she called his parents, and they immediately brought him to the hospital, and he told his mom he would never do that again. Mm -hmm. And his mom worked at a psychiatric hospital as well, too, so she knew, like, signs and things to look for, and, you know, that's why she had gotten him help. And after that incident, he had gotten better, more social, went to more parties and events, and seemed to be doing well. So man, that so sad to me like you have so much life ahead of you i know he's 18 years old so two years prior in 2012 conrad had met a girl while vacationing in florida her name was michelle carter and the only reason he met her is because conrad and his sisters were visiting relatives who happened to know michelle but it also turned out that michelle only lived a few towns over from where conrad lived in massachusetts so after the vacation was over, they kept their friendship after returning home, um, but it was mostly over text messages. And Michelle had an eating disorder, which she was on and off antidepressants as well. So there was like kind of like a, a connection there. Mm-hmm. On that morning of July 12th that he committed suicide, he had gone to the beach with his sisters, took them out for ice cream, and they oh. said he seemed fine. Oh, my God. At 6 p.m., he told his mom he was leaving to go see a friend, and she asked him if he was going to be home in, in time for dinner or back for dinner, and he just said, I didn't. Th- I don't think so. Oh, and that was, that was the last thing that he had said to his mom. Michelle also texted his sister that night asking, hey, do you know where your brother is? And that they were now officially like boyfriend, girlfriend. Like she wanted to make that clear. So then the next morning, no one heard from him. His mom went looking for him. The police found him that afternoon. And that's where they found him in the parking lot. As a parent, I can't imagine how helpless. How devastating. And Michelle even texted his mom that day saying how very sorry she was and how much she cared about Conrad. So, you know, even though it's a suicide, the police have to investigate the suicide as well, too. So they get a hold of Conrad's phone. And that is what started the investigation because of all the messages between him and Michelle Carter. It turned from a suicide investigation into a homicide investigation. Oh, man. She acted like his death was a total surprise. She even had a fundraiser that she held, but in her town an hour away where none of his friends lived even. And all of his friends were like, why are you doing this in your hometown? Like, why aren't you doing this in his hometown? You know, like that's where it, it would make more sense. And it even turned out that she had called a friend the night that he died and claimed that she heard him moaning like he was in pain and wouldn't answer when she said it was his name. And she was like, I think he just killed himself. That night. That's like an actual phone call or a text? And Well, she was on the phone with Conrad, she said. And then she called her friend as well, yeah. too, and said oh that. My God. So she could text and call a friend about it, but she couldn't call, you know, his parents or the police right. or so anything like that. Yeah. Oh and also, oh, and I will actually go over some of these text messages because they're so fucking disturbing to me. But she had also texted Conrad that night. Did you delete the messages? So she knew that the things she was texting, Uh she shouldn't have been texting. So police would extract more than 1,000 deleted messages between Conrad and Michelle. A lot of them showed his fear and reluctance to take his life on that very day he died. And he even panicked 
and got out of the truck and like considered not doing it. And she just she was egging him on, told him to get back into the truck. And then oh she my even God, like I heard about this in the news. I didn't know it was like this. And then she even texted her best friend, Sam, this girl, that his death was her fault. Like, honestly, she could have stopped him. I was on the phone with him and he got out of the truck because it was working and he got scared. And I fucking told him to get back in. Like she texted this to her friend. This makes me so angry. This story makes me so angry. <laughs> Ugh. Like this bitch. So Massachusetts has no laws about it's like the assisting. Perfect storm. Like somebody who is already depressed Ugh. is already suicidal. Yes. So Massachusetts has no laws about assisting and encouraging suicide. And Michelle was miles away when Conrad died. She lived like an hour away. So there was a lot going on here. But like, what legally, you know, mm-hmm. do they do about mm-hmm. this? <sighs> so. And this is like the interesting part to me. In the summer of 2016, the Supreme Court of Massachusetts actually ruled that even though Michelle was an hour away, she had a virtual presence. Uh Because all these kids nowadays, all their cell phones, texting, this and that, it's like you don't even have to be in person. If you're on the phone, if you're texting, that they consider a virtual presence. So they charged her with involuntary manslaughter, which I think was fitting for the crime. Um, She waived her right to a jury trial and left her fate in the hands of the judge. And they said that she recklessly caused his death. Her incessant texting had immense influence over Conrad and her virtual presence caused him to do it. Well, encouraged him, Mm -hmm. you know, at the very least. Um, She had been researching ways to kill himself and logistics, like sending Conrad suggestions on how to do it for weeks before he did it. Like Jesus. Yeah, she's like horrid person. Yes. Like sick. It was also said that she was very desperate for friends and attention. And whenever she talked about her boyfriend being suicidal and wanting to commit suicide, she got a bunch of attention from it. Ah, okay. Mm Mm-hmm. Just days before he died, she sent texts to girlfriends that she wanted to be friends with in an effort to get their attention and sympathy, pretending Conrad was missing and he wasn't missing. So basically, Conrad still being alive when she's telling all of her friends that he's going to commit suicide is a problem for her. And then she would also be exposed as a liar, you know, for all this stuff. So to to her what or what they were... What craziest world you live in, like mentally. Like that is just... So crazy. How do you get to that point? When they thought that for her to continue getting this attention and popularity, it was important for her that Conrad actually killed himself. Because if he didn't and she just kept saying, oh, he's going to kill himself, oh, he's going to kill himself, and he didn't, then everyone's going to be like, oh, my Uh, God, Michelle, you're such a liar. Like, shut up. You just want attention. So I would. uh, So I think that's why she was so encouraging of him to do Mm -hmm. it. Mm-hmm. And I watched her in this. She showed, like, no emotion. And I think at even one point her defense attorney was like, oh, she's on this antidepressant drug. So she didn't know what she was doing when she was saying that to him. But then that was, of course, d- proven to be not true as well. So, And she was on the phone with him for 46 minutes when he died. And then after that call ended, she texted him and texted her friend Sam and then texted her friend Sam that, oh, she thinks that he just killed himself. So It's so weird to me, though. It's like you you don't understand the value of a human life that you think, like, it's a joke. Yeah. And here's where they had a problem with that as well, too, you know, with the judge. Because so you were on the phone with him for 46 minutes claiming you heard him dying. 
You had time to text a friend after that saying you think he killed himself. But at no point in time did you call the police. At no point in time did you call his parents. You didn't do anything to try to help him. This is a nightmare. Yeah. So she didn't do anything. No. She had no interest in wanting to help him. In my opinion, there was so many times she could have had the opportunity to be like, no, don't get in the truck. Don't do this. Or even when she thought she did, call the police. Call his parents. Something. Jesus Christ. I mean, like, as a mom, like, I obviously, I don't have, I haven't had to deal with any, like, friendships and things like that. But it's scary to think that you could have somebody in your child's life that is so. Such a bad influence. Such an influence where they would actually take their own life. And, like, obviously he had some mental health mental things health going issues. on. And yeah. she obviously does too. But the fact that, like, as a parent, you would probably feel like, why wasn't I enough to, like, yeah, help him, to let him, like, for him to know that this is not, I, this is, this is going to be one of those ones that just stick with me. Because, like, I heard about it in the news. I didn't really. It's, it's awful. It's this is purely, horrible. purely awful. And if you ask me, this girl is evil pure evil especially if she was doing this for attention Mm -hmm. purely fucking evil so she's even sent a text a week after conrad died to her friend sam that same girl that she was trying to get the attention from and texting saying that the police have to go through his phone and if they see anyone encourage him to do it on text and stuff if they read my messages with him i'm done his family will hate me and i could go to jail so she knew she knew she fucking knew she knew it while she was doing it, too. For sure. And especially when he, there was a point where he got out of the truck because he was afraid because he felt like the gas was working. And then she was like, get back in. Like, that to me is so sick. And, you know, they also talked about, you know, when they were going over this trial, that teenagers are definitely more susceptible to peer pressure mm-hmm. and depression yep. and things like that. Mm-hmm. So after six days of testimony, she was found guilty of involuntary manslaughter. Under Massachusetts law, she had a duty to try to save him, but she was only sentenced to 15 months, which is so disgusting to me. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. 15 months. That's it. It's She it, She could have gotten up to 20 years. If you ask me, she should have gotten 20 fucking years for it. But but then so is there anything else with it? Like then she has to do like – No, she even got a little bit early for good times, good being good, good times served. So disgusting. Well, I will tell you this. If I was that boy's mom, I'd be in jail. Well, her his mom, Lynn Roy, she worked for a long time on Conrad's Law – which criminalizes suicide coercion, which has now been introduced into the Massachusetts legislature. So doing something good in his name. Yes. She did something good in his name, which I think, you know, is the best thing that she could have done to move forward. And that's what she said. She's like, I don't want this to happen to any other parent. No. So if you go online, they show like a lot of these messages and she's like, Conrad, hey, you there. He said, hey, sorry, I fell asleep. She's like, it's okay. Why haven't you done it yet, though? (gasps) Yeah. And he's like, I'm too messed up. And she said, what are you talking about? He said, my head. And she said, you can't think about it. You just have to do it. You said you were going to do it. Like, I don't get why you aren't. I guess you aren't going to do it. She's just like a puppet master here. Yes. I guess you're not going to do it then. All that for nothing. I'm just confused. Like, you were so ready and determined. And then I don't understand either. Like, what does she think she's going to get after this happens? Like, especially she obviously knew 
she, she what she was doing was wrong yes i don't understand yeah and then she's like basically trying to make him feel like shit about it he said i am gonna eventually she said no you're not conrad last night was it you keep pushing it off and you say you'll do it but you never do it's always gonna be that way if you don't take action you're just making it harder on yourself by pushing it off you just have to do it like <sighs> he was like is it too late i don't know it's already light outside i'm gonna go to sleep i love you i'll text you tomorrow and she said no it's probably the best time now because everyone's sleeping just go somewhere in your truck and no one's really out right now because it's an awkward time if you're not gonna do it now you'll never do it and you can say you'll do it tomorrow but you probably won't like she just kept going on and on and on was she 18 also she was 17 so she wasn't tried as an adult either. Then the next day, are you going to do it today? He said, yes. She said, like in the daytime? He said, should I? She said, yes, it's less suspicious. You won't think about it as much and you'll get over, get it over with instead of waiting until the night. My He's like, God. Yes. He's like, yeah, then I will. Like where? Like I could go in an enclosed area. She said, go in your truck and drive into a parking lot somewhere. Park it or something. Do it now, like early. <sighs> I just... This one's a tough one for me. It's very, very tough. I mean, even that day still, she's like, you're so hesitant because you keep overthinking and pushing it off. You just need to do it, Conrad. The more you put it off, the more it will eat at you. You're ready and prepared. All you have to do is turn the generator on and be free and be happy. No more pushing it off. No more waiting. I mean, this is an involuntary manslaughter. This is voluntary. It's so fucked up to me after reading all these texts and how she was just pushing and pushing. And he was like, oh, all right. Yep. No more waiting. And then she said, okay, I'm serious. Like, you can't even wait until tonight. You have to do it when you get back from your walk for, with your sisters. And he said, thank you. He says, thank you to her. She says, for what? He said, for still being here. Oh, honey. Yeah. I just, it's so, so disturbing to me. <sighs> Whew. Yeah. I mean, if if you go, there's many, many, many more of these texts if you go online and look at them. But I mean, what I read is enough. It's enough to know that this girl is fucking sick. Sick. And like, what's going to keep her from doing something similar to this again? I just, I have. So she has, she has sentenced to 15 months, but then what about her mental health after this? Right. I just, I wouldn't want to live anywhere near this girl because I would punch her in her face every time I saw her. Oh this kid, this poor kid, you know, and, like, and you should never, it, to me, it was almost like she was bullying him yeah, into exactly. doing it. Exactly. She was like aggressive, like shaming him. Well, you said you were going to do it and you didn't. All that for nothing. Like, I just don't understand him either. Like, does did he not understand like death was so final? Like, I, it's, I, I, I have think a he felt questions. pressured. I know. It makes me so sad. Yeah. Like, I could just cry. I did. I actually cried watching this because I'm thinking about my kids, right. you know, and like how that mother feels. Like I, I did. I, I got super emotional watching this and angry. I was like crying. I was mad. Like this girl, like in my opinion, she should have gotten way more than 15 months. And I think the only reason she didn't was because she was 17 at the time. She was not tried as an adult, but still, fuck. Yeah. But then, you know... Even if it's not, you know, being in prison, then it needs to be like being in a mental health facility because obviously she's not of stable mind. Yeah, she's fucking nuts. 
my god! And it was so I sad. Give my mom so much credit because I, yeah, yeah. You oh, the mom was in the show a lot. She was interviewed, and she was like, "I just think that Michelle Carter is evil. She is, yeah, incarnate." Now, what about her parents? Do they talk about her parents? Her at parents all? were not. They showed like her parents in the courtroom, but her parents didn't take you know, place in this documentary. Yeah. It was just Conrad's mom and Conrad's sisters. But he apparently has like videos on YouTube where he was talking openly about his depression. And it was just really sad. Like it this is. whole thing was just so sad. This is definitely one of those ones that will stick with me too. This is one of those ones where it's like, can we be better about mental health? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Can we be better about mental health? And can we talk more like i don't know what how her parents were with her but there was something going wrong there right with her parents you know not i don't know i look in my kids phones periodically and stuff too and like i mean i don't know i guess you could delete messages but it's like what was going on where she thought that it was okay to encourage and bully someone into committing suicide mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, it, I just, I can't with this one. I'm getting all angry again. Listen to me. <laughs> this one just, it pissed me off because there's no way this boy's life should have been wasted. Like, and what kind of a sadistic individual is like, no, get back in the truck. I don't care. You felt it working. You need to die now. Why haven't you done it already? Right. Oh, you so, always bring us these really heavy ones. I know. I'm like, how does this happen? How do I always bring these? Very heavy ones, but this one, it made me cry and it made me infuriated at the same time. It's a good thing to bring up, though, too, as far as like if you know anybody who has any mental health issues, it's like check in with them and, you know, be present in their life and let them know that you're there for them. And I'm not saying that that's always enough, but it's I would hate to know that I had somebody who was feeling that low and had this villain of a girlfriend. You're always going to have questions when someone commits suicide, but it's a good time to talk to those people that you love and know that do have mental health issues. Right. Just touch base, right? And September is also National Suicide Awareness Month, so I thought maybe it'd be just one to touch on that as well, too. I think that's a good... I mean, obviously, there's so many resources out there now, and there's so many suicide hotlines, and I think it is taken more seriously than it was, but God, it's just so crazy. And and I I was reading some some statistics. It affects kids all the way from 10 years old to like 22 the most. Sure. I just, I can't even imagine. So, yeah. Let's break the stigma. Let's talk about it, right? Yeah. Yeah. If you if you think that someone needs help, don't hesitate to get them help, to reach out to them, you know, just let them know that you're there for them, get them some help. Like I think it's very important. Well, I say let's change some gears now. I know. So sad. So next week's topic. <sighs> we are gonna talk about gym fails and gym stories. Yes. So, Which I'm very excited. Me, me too. We need so a nice whether funny one. It's somebody you've seen in the gym that just does not know how to even use the machine. <laughs> <laughs> Some, you know, douchey guy hitting on you at the gym. Somebody who shit their pants at the gym. Any of it. 
<laughs> we, why, why are you looking at me when you say that? <laughs> <laughs> Any gym incidents, send them in to us, blondemomentspodcast at gmail.com. You can slide in our DMs. Mm-hmm. We've been getting some great DMs lately, and I fucking love it. And Keep it up. I will say that this gym story episode idea came from Merrick. Yes, so thank you. He's become our dreamboat guy because of all the sweet stuff he and his wife. says about his, his lady. Yes, I love that. Mm-hmm. All right, well, then I will end today with our blonde joke. What's the difference between a blonde and a guy? Oh, I have no idea. The blonde has the higher sperm count. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Calling us all a bunch of hussies. Oh, my God. <laughs>